guys. Let's jump in. So we're in the series of Proverbs, okay? And Proverbs, as we've set it up from the very onset of this book, it's in the Old Testament if you're new to the Bible. So if you've got one, and we even have a stack of them there in the back, you just kind of open up about to the middle of the Bible, and you're going to find this book, Proverbs. And, and Proverbs is written in such a way as though a father is speaking to his son. Um, and so in that sense, there's, uh, it's endearing. There's, there, it's intimate. It, it's, it's a father kind of, you know, getting uh, serious with his boy and saying, listen, I want you to listen to these things. I want you to know these things. I, I want you to hear and practice and, and walk in these ways. And, and so that's kind of the idea behind Proverbs is a father giving instruction, counsel, wisdom to his son. And that's going to be important for us this morning. And what we've done, because Proverbs has 31 chapters, and those are somewhat arbitrarily designed, and within that, it's not as if it's uh, something you read start to finish like a narrative or a story. Much of it are just these kind of really simple, pithy, profound statements of wisdom. That's the book of Proverbs. So what we've done with this series in the book of Proverbs is we've divided it into some categories that I mentioned before. We're looking this month as we start a new year at planning. We're looking next month at behaviors and habits in our lives. And then we're going to be looking as we close out the Proverbs series in the month of March at relationships. And so that's kind of how we're looking at it categorically. But what I want to do before we even dive into Proverbs 15 is, is I want to give you another lens through which we can understand Proverbs. So just think of this as kind of some like 30,000 foot wide angle context for us, Okay. What you can do with the book of Proverbs, um, besides these categories we're walking through, is you can kind of lay over the top of Proverbs a couple of, uh, uh, I'll give you three themes. These are major themes that you're going to find addressed in the book of Proverbs. And not just Proverbs, to be honest with you. These are three major themes that you see throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the first and the last book. And those three major themes are these, sin, suffering, and stewardship. And so what I mean by that is, is sin. Okay, sin, those are these, these things of life that we would want to avoid. So if you are new to the Bible, I just kind of described to you that Proverbs is written as though a father is speaking to a son. And, and what we're used to, those simple, pithy, profound statements, those actually don't start in the book of Proverbs until chapter 10. Did you know that? Chapters 1 through 9 is actually this father giving instruction to his son. He introduces him to the idea of wisdom, and then he really spends the majority of those first nine chapters warning his son not to follow after the adulterous woman. It's this warning that if you follow after this sin, it ultimately will lead to destruction. And that's true, not just of adultery, that's true of any sin that you and I would seek after or pursue. Ultimately, it's going to lead to death, destruction, decay. And so that's kind of this category of sin. And for those of us that are parents, we can relate with that, right? We would want our children to learn from the mistakes, the failures, the sins that we've committed. And so so when we look at the book like Proverbs, this idea of wisdom, it, it, it covers this, this theme of sin. Please don't do these things. 
Don't make these choices. Don't walk after these things. Don't pursue what's ultimately going to bring about death and destruction in your life, right? We would warn and instruct and counsel our children that way. So we get that, that theme in the book of Proverbs. But, but here's the thing. Again, if, if you're a parent, you know this to be true, that, that there's some, there's just some parts of life we can't spare our children from. And so we're now dealing with a different theme, aren't we? It's not just something to avoid like sin, but there's suffering that each and every one of us endure. Now, does our sin cause suffering in our lives? Certainly. But there are circumstances out of your control and mine, hardships, trials, that everybody's going to navigate at some point that no matter the amount of counsel or wisdom or warning or instruction that we're given, we're going to find ourselves having to persevere and endure suffering. It's not something to avoid. In fact, the wisdom that we learn in this theme of suffering isn't how to sidestep these circumstances, but how to walk through them learning that in the midst of suffering, we have a good father whose desire for us is ultimately good. That's who God is. And, and, and so we want our children to learn those same things. And so we have this father given instruction, not just to a son to avoid sin, but also to his children saying, here's the ultimate purposes of God in suffering. That while he is a good God who's going to, to use this for our good, he's a powerful God who does not use his power to remove these things from our life. But actually uses his power to bend these circumstances, even evil intended toward us, to build character, to shape us, to prove us, ultimately to save us. Now that's powerful, isn't it? So these Themes that we look at in, in, a, in a wisdom book like Proverbs of sin and suffering, there's also a third one, and it's stewardship. And stewardship actually answers kind of the big questions of life. What, what is this all about? Why are you here? Why am I here? What, what's the point of all of this? I mean, these are the questions that throughout history, people and philosophers and pundits and politicians, everybody's tried to, to, to wrap their minds around this, these questions and try to get some type of purpose or meaning or ultimate answers to life. And, and what's fascinating about the book of Proverbs and again, the Bible in general, is that it gives a really simple answer for us it would sound something like this. What's the point of all of this? Well, God's given us this world to enjoy with him. It's really that simple. God has given us this world to enjoy with him. So when God created the world, he fashioned it in such a way that it's fitting for us and his desire is for us to enjoy this creation in relationship with him. It's that simple when it comes to the idea of stewardship, when it comes to this category or this theme in the book of Proverbs, it's that simple. And in fact, if you're, a, um, if you're more familiar with some of the, uh, the theological traditions of the church, um, there are different uh, creeds and confessions and catechisms that have been written over time. 
And, and one of the more popular ones, at least in, in, in reform circles, um, is called the Westminster, uh, Westminster Catechism. Okay, there's a shorter and a longer version. And the first question, so catechism means it's going to ask a question and then you learn an answer. And the first question is this, what is the chief end of man? Does anybody know what the answer to that is? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's the answer to this idea of stewardship. To, to enjoy this creation in relationship with God. Now, you may be wondering, okay, you said turn to Proverbs 15. We know we're in this Proverbs series. Why in the world are you giving us this wide-angle, 30,000-foot kind of view of context? Well, you tell me where your heart and mind go whenever you learn that one of the sermons is going to be about money, right? I mean, you can go ahead and chuckle. I mean, I get it. The minute that we walk into a church and we hear like, oh, it's one of those money sermons again, it's really easy for us to just kind of shut things off, isn't it? And that's the reality that the church has to deal with because the church has not historically done well with this category, have we? It's either been a topic that's been overused to the point that if any of us have gainful employment, we think the only reason God gave us a job is so that we could buy the guy up here a new jet. I mean, that's terrible, right? That we would, we would teach those who attend and participate in the church community that what they do Monday through Saturday has very little significance when the opposite is true. What you find yourself doing tomorrow at this very time has great significance because God has placed you here to enjoy this creation and relationship with him. And that's not just something that we do on Sunday, is it? But that's something that we do every day of the week. No matter what marketplace, no matter what role or situation or circumstances we find ourselves in. And so the church has either overdone it in that way or the church just avoids it. It's a taboo topic that we never talk about. And if we never talk about the, the ideas of money and stewardship and what we do with our resources, then we end up forfeiting the wisdom that God has given us that is intended for our good and the good of those around us. And that kind of really leads us into the main idea of today. And so it's uh, probably been up there for a while and you've read it. So let me uh, read it again, not to insult your intelligence, but just so you get an idea of where we're heading, okay? We're in Proverbs 15, and I want you to see that stewardship, this, this theme, this idea of stewardship, it describes for us life in relationship with God. That's the context, and you can't miss that. Because if you miss that, then you're going to spend this entire time thinking that God is talking to a part of your life that he has no business or domain over. And I want you to stop if that's where your heart is at, and I want you to just think through that discomfort for a moment. And I want you to ask that question, is there any part of your life over which God does not have domain? He is the sovereign ruler of all creation, is he not? He is the Lord God Almighty. 
not only has he created all things, but for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, he is our Lord, our master. He is the one to whom we have submitted, not just our lives, but everything that we possess. Okay, so I think it was Abraham Abraham Kuyper who said, there is not one square inch of all of creation over which Jesus does not proclaim mine. So this is who we're talking about today. Stewardship describes, oh, go back, life and relationship with God, okay? That's the main idea. And so as that pops back up, here's kind of what we're gonna walk through. God is a good father. And he's a good father who shares his wisdom with us. He's a good father who shepherds our heart, not just our behavior. And he's a good father who shapes our hearts ultimately to pursue what matters most. And so that's what we're going to see as we open up the, the, uh, the Proverbs here and we look specifically at Proverbs 15. And so if you would do that with me, and I want to show, start first with this idea that God as a good father shares, he wants to share his wisdom with us. Okay? He wants to share his wisdom with us. And so when you're in Proverbs 15, um, I just kind of threw uh, a, a few of these verses together, 5, 7, 12, and 14, because they all kind of have the same idea. I'll, I'll read them, and then I think you'll probably kind of pick up the theme. But here's what it says in Proverbs 15, 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. Then we're going to jump down again to verse 12. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. And then look again here at verse 14. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feeds on folly. So what we see is this theme, and it's not just here in Proverbs 15, that those who understand God's intent and purpose in wisdom are going to feed on this. They're going to pursue this. They're going to seek this. They're going to want to hear what God has to say because they understand that God is a good father whose ultimate desire and intent and design in our lives is good. It's his glory and our good. So we want to hear what he has to say. But if our hearts are hard, if we don't see God as a good father, then instead we're going to be more foolish. We're going to be more resistant. We're going to be one who will not listen to his instruction, who will not accept reproof or correction. Um, and, and it's going to ultimately end in, in, in ruin for us. And so that's kind of the theme that we're being introduced here. And, and so we can't lose sight of that. I know sometimes whenever we are in a book like Proverbs, maybe I've done this even, you've heard me do it or, or others have done it, where we, we're reading through here and, and we make comments like, you know, wisdom would say this. You ever heard, have you ever heard anybody say that that way? Have you ever, ever done that? I know with my kids, I do that a lot. You know, I'll be, I'll be seeing them do something and I'm like, hey, do you think that's a good idea? You know, what, what do you think wisdom would say? You know, and we kind of personify this idea of wisdom. In fact, you know, the book of Proverbs in some ways personifies this idea of wisdom. But if we're not careful, we, we, we get to this point where when we pers- if we personify wisdom disconnected from the giver of the wisdom, 
right? It's, it's a lot more easy for us to be like, well, you know, okay, maybe it's a good idea. Maybe I'll get to that someday. But if we see wisdom as God himself, like, like a good parent stooping down to like look us in the eyes and say, hey, I, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. I want you to, to walk in this way because ultimately this is going to lead to life for you and it's going to lead to life for those around you. Like that changes our perspective, doesn't it? And so we're not just reading what wisdom has to say, we're reading what God as a good father has to say. And he's a good father who wants to share his wisdom with us. He's not withholding it from us. He's not saying, and maybe some of you, that's what you think of when you think of a father, is somebody that's just kind of distant, who's just kind of kept you at arm's length and has watched you struggle and stumble and has never stepped in to say, let me help you with that. Let me teach you and train you and equip you with that. But that's who God is. He's a good father and his desire for us are good. And so with that said, I will just jump into some practical things. This is supposed to be the practical week of planning with stewardship. And so I want to look at six just really practical things that we see in the Proverbs, okay? And so you can follow along. It's on the app. It's going to be on the screen if you're a note taker and and you can't keep up. uh, Don't sweat it, okay? But let's look at six things and then we'll continue through this idea of God as a good father. So here's some of the wisdom that he shares with us in the book of Proverbs. Number one, ready? The significance of small gains over a long period of time. You see Proverbs 13 up here? It says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So, there's a significance, right, of small gains over a long period of time. I mean, you guys have probably heard all of this kind of stuff before, but it's still just fascinating, especially if, if, uh, if you're a numbers person, that um, here, here's kind of how it goes. Um, we live in a day and time, right, where, where there's a reason why Starbucks has more money than you and me, okay? Because we show up two or three times a week, and we're willing to pay them 4 or $5 for a cup of coffee, right? Um, and, and if we do that, okay, here's just the really quick math for you. If we do that two or three times a week for, for a career, okay, over the course of our career, so say 40 years, and, and, and that's what we, 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 we use our money for. If, if we had instead actually took that money and invested it just a little bit, four or five bucks at a time, two or three times a week over the course of our career, the, the difference is staggering. You know what the difference is? Do you even want to hear this? It's gonna, you're going to be depressed, okay? You're going to be depressed. But, but if, if you were to do that two or three times a week over the course of your career, you're talking about one hundred and forty to $220,000 if you had invested that money at a very reasonable conservative rate. That's staggering, isn't it? That's staggering. But when you wake up tomorrow and you're rushing off to work and you didn't have time to make coffee at home, right? It's going to be very difficult to be like, shoot, I can't stop by Starbucks. I got to put this in my little investment jar, right? Like we're going to struggle with that. But there's, this, there's a wisdom. There's wisdom that God gives us that, look, these little things that we begin to do over a long period of time, they have these significant impacts in our life. 
And that's true. That's true not just with finances. That, that's true of anybody, anybody who's, who's working in this new year to, to, on their physical health, right? Like you, you don't say January 1st, I've got to get this together. And then this Wednesday, January 31st, you're like, done. Done. Man, I am in the best shape of my life. It doesn't happen in a month, does it? It's just those little gains that we make over a long period of time. I, I remember this just from a, from a pastoral perspective. I remember as a young man working with students, learning to teach the Bible to others. I remember being around older men of faith who just could pick up this Bible and they just knew it. They just knew it. And I remember thinking like, how? How in the world do you ever get to a place where you understand God's word like that, where you can proclaim and teach others like that? And it was the same thing that God taught me then that, that we're learning this morning, that, that we don't get anywhere overnight. But it's just making those little investments, those little gains, being willing to see the significance that what we're doing today, if we'll continue to do that little by little over time, it pays off. It pays off in huge ways. And so that's wisdom that God shares with us. Wisdom that, again, covers far more. This idea of stewardship covers far more than just our wallets. Let's look at number two. Here's another piece of wisdom that God shares with us. The value of faithfulness and hard work. Um, I love this proverb. I just think it's, it's funny. Um, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. Okay, I don't know what Solomon was thinking that day, right? Like, I don't know if, if, if you write a bunch of proverbs, if you're a really wise guy, like you just get bored after a while. I don't know. But, but this is effective, isn't it? Like, we all have, we all, he's got our attention. Like, what does he mean? What is he talking about? But the point is here that, that those that are sluggish, those that are lazy, those that are, are struggling, and this is honestly, it is a category that we can fall into. And you probably, if, if you are this person, you, you don't have to stay there, but we can probably think of those people who just, they do not get going. And they're just kind of stuck. It's like they're on a treadmill, okay? Even when they work hard, they're not moving anywhere right? And, and so he's talking about this, this, this category, this, the obstacles, the hurdles that we face for us being faithful and working hard. Remember these little gains over a long period of time. And, and, and here's maybe the way I would summarize Psalm 22, verse 13. There's always an excuse. Isn't there? There's always an excuse. There's always a reason not to get started. There's always a reason once we get started to not do it the next day. There's always an excuse. And if we know that, now wisdom, again, a good father sharing his wisdom with us, letting us know like, hey, there's always a reason not to do the things that he knows he's called us to do. Do, do you realize this cracks me up? I, I know I've seen it a number of places. Um, and, uh, but, but there's studies on productivity and they say one of the most, uh, um, one of the most um, impactful things that you and I could do to increase just our overall productivity um, and, 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 uh, and well-being um, uh, is to make our bed. Did you know that? Have you guys seen those, the, the research on that? 
That's fascinating, isn't it? But it's just that idea, right? Like you get up, get things in order. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready to tackle the day. Like, you know, first thing done, accomplished. Um, you know, we, hey, we're ready to roll. If I can do that, all right, I got out of bed and now it looks good. I can tackle whatever else this day is going to throw at me. But, but there is just something, whether that's psychological or whether that's just the way God's made us, there's certainly wisdom, right? There's always an excuse not to jump in, not to get started, not to be faithful and finish the work. And so there's wisdom there for us. What else does this good father share with us? Number three, the slavery of debt. The rich rules over the poor. The borrower is the slave to the lender. Um, you know, this is something I was talking with one of my boys last week because we were, uh, we were over at the offices after the service and financial peace was starting. And, uh, and it's not too late, by the way, if you want to jump in. This is week two, but you can still jump in and knock out this class. And it's a great tool to just learn the biblical basics of finances, handling resources. And, uh, and, and we were talking about what this class was for. And there's, there's over there, there's this tub with all of these cut up pieces of, uh, of credit cards. And, you know, and so that obviously got my son's attention, like, what, what's, what happened? You know, like, what's going on here? And so we were talking through that of just why that's a good idea, right? That, that you know, for my own children, I, I see it, right? When they, get, when they get money, whether it's their birthday or Christmas or, you know, they walk the neighbor's dog, like, when they get money, guess what they want to do with it? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like, it's, it's rare. I'm not saying it never happens, but it's just, you know, maybe you had one of those kids. But I, again, it's very rare. The, the exception to the rule is the kid that comes home and says, hey, mom, dad, can I open a bank account? I'd like to save this, right? Like, her no parent ever is what you say at the end of that statement. Because what most children do, right, when they get something, they want to go buy something with it. They want to spend it. They want to get something that you and I know that in a week's time they're not even going to use anymore, Right? But if that's the habit that my children begin to create now, what's going to happen when they actually have a job and they get a paycheck, right? Yeah, they're going to be broke. They're just going to go out and spend it. You know, wait, what? I have to pay for insurance? What? Like, I got to pay for my housing? Like, what? I can't eat? Like, what? Like, we start to, you know, and so then, then what do we do in this day and time? And, and you, guys, you guys have probably been there. You show up on a college campus. Like, who are the first people you run into on a college campus? Yeah, it's like a credit card table, right? Like they're signing those kids up, right? I mean, it, these, are, these are our kids because we've never taught them anything about, you know, handling their money. And now they realize like, yeah, they got to afford all these things. They've already spent all the money they've been given. I'll just put it on the card. And what they don't realize, right, until years later that now they have this credit card debt and now they have student debt and all this debt begins to stack up is they realize I even have a good job, but I'm not making money for me anymore. I'm not working so that I can save for a future and a plan and a vision that God's given me. I'm working so I can pay these people I owe. See that the, the borrower is slave to the lender. Do you guys see why the Proverbs is saying that, right? I, I mean, that, ha, that, that, that for any of us that have been in that place, we know what a rude awakening that is when we realize that even though we have the means to earn an income, it's actually already been spent. The borrower is a slave to lender. There's great wisdom there. Again, it's a good father sharing these things with us. Let's look at number four, the, uh, the gift of leaving a legacy. Uh, we're back in Proverbs 13 here. A good man 
leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So remember that big picture. We have been given creation. We have been given our life. We have been given the resources that we have in this life to enjoy in relationship with God. It is for his glory. It is for our good and the good of those around us. Like that is a picture of life. That's what stewardship is, describing life in relationship with God. So isn't it the epitome? Isn't it the epitome of self-interest to think that from creation until today, it was all about us? <laughs> like, isn't that just the epitome of arrogance, right? I just want to thank not only my parents and my grandparents, but really just the rest of humanity who's come before me, and I'm just going to waste it all on me now, right? I mean, there's, there's nobody in their right mind that would think that way, which is why we call sin a distortion, right? It's why we call sin something that's broken. Because when God changes our hearts to where we begin to live for him and we live for others, this is the impact that it has on us. We don't just want to spend and serve ourselves. We want to be able to put things aside for those that come after us. We want to be able to steward what's in front of us for the sake of not just our generation, but for generations to come. And so let's look now at number five. Great wisdom, right? This is great wisdom. Number five, the greater blessing of generosity. Uh, Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, it says, one gives freely and yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want, right? Like that should make us pause. That, that's not, that's counterintuitive to the way that we think, isn't it? Um, if we have, we want to keep, right? And then we're going to have, we're going to have plenty. But the reality is it doesn't work that way. We're never going to have enough is, is what, what anybody will tell you who's pursued wealth for the sake of wealth. But when we give freely, we end up seeing we grow all the richer. Whoever brings blessing, verse 25, will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Um, it, it's actually found in the book of Acts, chapter 20, but, but uh, um, I believe it's the apostle Paul speaking as Luke's recording it. And he quotes the Lord Jesus. He quotes Jesus Christ as saying, it is more blessed to probably know this, right? Give than to receive. Um, and, and that is a, a maxim, a truism, a proverb that a good father would want to share with us. And, and anyone, again, I, I know I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a parent, so I know I speak often from that angle. Um, and I know those of you in this, this room that are parents understand, right? There just comes that point in time where like you don't care to get gifts anymore. But man, it's fun to watch, right? It's fun to watch your kids open a gift. And, and, if, and if we as imperfect parents can have that perspective, what do you think God has, right? Like, don't you think he understands that? Like the ultimate giver knows what a blessing it is to give and how much more of a blessing it is to be generous and pour out than it is to hoard and keep for ourselves. And so that's wisdom that a good father shares with us. So here's, here's the last one in this uh, kind of category here of, of the practical wisdom that God shares with us. And you realize I'm just, I'm picking six, right? I mean, we, we could be here all day. There's a lot of Proverbs, okay? So I'm just sparing you guys. But uh, we could have a lot of fun with this, right? 
Here we go. Number six, the impact of routine giving. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, obviously, we've already covered that um, Proverbs are, they're truisms, they're maxims, they're things that are, are kind of more patterns you can observe in life. That's what Solomon's doing. And so it's not a guarantee. So I'm not, I'm not the guy up here that's going to say, hey, you guys fund my jet and I guarantee you it's coming back to you, right? Like, I'm not going to say that. I, I think those that say that, I think that they should be, um, I don't know what, I, I should just stop there, but they shouldn't be doing what they're doing, all right? We could come up with a lot of fun things to say, but we won't. Um, but they should stop. They should stop. Because it's wrong for any of us in this room to feel somewhat um, uncomfortable that God has given you income while, you know, a person that's shepherding the, the people of God um, says, well, yeah, what, well, since you're uncomfortable with it, why don't you just give it to me? That's not the point. And I'm not going to then give you some hollow promise that, hey, if you guys give today, then I guarantee you, you know, I mean, that, that's not only is that just a terrible way to view life, right? Because there's sin, there's suffering, and there's stewardship, okay? So, so here's the wisdom behind um, us understanding the impact of routine giving. Stewardship is life and relationship with God. That's what it is. And so if you and I are walking with God, then we see our life, our breath, everything that he's given us as from him. And if some of you dig your heels in here and you're like, but I work hard to get what I have. I've paid the price to get where I'm at today. Then let me just again ask you the question, who gave you that strength? Who gave you that ability? Like what do you and I have that hasn't been given to us? And so if it's stewardship is life in relationship with God, then the impact of routine giving is for us to just continually, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, over the course of our life, just constantly be setting and resetting our, our life in priority before God. This is your life, God. This is your stuff, God. I'm going to worship you with it. And so that's the impact of routine giving. Okay, so that's, that's the book. I still want to look at a couple things because here's, here's the reality, okay? We're going to the next thing. It says this. Look, look at this next slide. The, the, God is a good father, and he's a good father who shepherds our hearts and not just our behavior. This is so important, okay? And we'll, we'll spend less time on these last two, but, but you've got to catch this one because we could talk practical wisdom all day, and you could put that practical wisdom into practice, and yet your heart could be far from God. Do you realize that? Like you could make the small investments over time. You could know the, the blessing of generosity. You could be one of the, the most um, consistent and substantial givers to a church community or, or, or a nonprofit organization. And you could do all of that and it be for nothing. For nothing. Because you and I can do those things. We can walk in practical wisdom in our hearts, not love God. Our hearts not be impacted by God. You realize we can be a good steward who's not even in relationship with God. 
But if stewardship is about life in relationship with God, then at some point we have to see that Proverbs are meaningless if it doesn't get to the level of our hearts. So it shouldn't surprise us that if we know God to be a good father, that he's not just going to be concerned about our behavior. He's far more concerned about who we are than what we do. Do you you know that about God? He's far more concerned about who you are than what you do. That's what a good father does. So you and I can work hard. We can build a career at the expense of our marriage or relationships of shepherding our children, can't we? I've been there. And I've seen that countless times in pastoral ministry. Families that are wrecked and falling apart because a dad or a mom chose to work hard and build a career rather than a family, right? So we can do these things practically and miss, miss the heart behind it. You and I, we can be generous for the sake of applause, right? We can just love that, you know, our name gets put on the donor list or we get a plaque at the city whatever, you know, like that we can do things that seem practically wise and yet the motivations behind it be completely disconnected from God. And so that's just a reality when it comes to practical wisdom. It has to get beneath the surface for us. And God is a good enough father that he would shepherd our hearts and not just our behavior. Um, here's the way Jesus illustrated it. You can turn there if you want, but this is one of my favorite stories Jesus tells. It's in Luke 18. And he tells this story um, where, where we're kind of spectators outside the temple. And these two guys walk in to pray to God. And one of them is a Pharisee. He's a very religious, very pious man. And the Pharisee begins to pray to God and says, God, thank you for not making me like other people. <laughs> and that, I mean, you know, uh, you know, world's worst ways to begin a prayer. God, thanks for not making me like other people. Okay. And then what he goes on to say, you know, and, and he lists them off. You know, I'm not like the unjust or this guy or that guy or the adulterer. And he kind of, and, and then he gives his resume. I I fast twice a week. I tithe of everything you give me. I mean, these are the practical wisdom we're talking about, aren't we? He's got it down. He's got it down. But Jesus contrasts this Pharisee with another guy who's there praying in the temple. And this guy is a tax collector. Okay, this guy is, is he, he extorts money from people. Okay, He is a swindler. He is unjust. And yet he has found himself before the presence of God, humbling himself. It says he beats his his breast. He won't even lift his eyes to God. And he says, Father, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus asks this question after kind of giving the story. He says, which of these two men the Pharisee or the tax collector, which of these two men do you think walked away justified before God? What do you guys think? The tax collector, right? God is far more concerned about who we are than what we do. 
And so if you find yourself here today and we work through this practical wisdom and, and you don't see these as like things to aspire toward or start, but you just see this as like, okay, yeah, did that wrong. <laughs> did, did that wrong. Okay, haven't figured that out yet. I mean, if all you hear today is condemnation, what I want you to know is that he's a good father who shepherds your heart, not just your behavior. And so he is calling to you. He is, he is inviting you. He is asking you to humble yourself before him. Because there's mercy for you and I as sinners. Because Christ Jesus has taken our sin and our shame for us. Like that's the gospel. That's the gospel. And God is far more concerned, far more concerned about your heart than your behavior. So even if you failed at all of this, even if you failed at all of this, you can walk in repentance before him. And I would invite you to do that today. And so when you look at those verses, I, I kind of skipped over them, but you know, it says in Proverbs 15, 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. So again, we can do all the right things and yet not find ourselves righteous before God. In fact, that's what the next thing says. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, verse 9, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. And the idea of righteousness in the Proverbs isn't that you've dotted the I's and crossed the T's. The idea of righteousness in the Proverbs is that you walk in the fear of the Lord. You walk with him. I know I keep saying it, guys, but if you want to know what stewardship is, it's life in relationship with God. So if you pursue righteousness, that's what righteousness looks like. It's walking through life, enjoying what he's given in relationship with him. Well, what's the last thing? Let's, let's uh, wrap this up here in a few minutes. God is a good father who shapes our hearts to pursue what matters most. God's a good father and he shapes our hearts to pursue what matters most. I, I, I love how simple the Proverbs can be. And so I kind of just gave a collection again that kind of just thematically hit this big idea. But, but let me draw your attention specifically to verses 16 and 17. Um, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. You know, I, I, I began today by giving you um, this, this wide angle context, right? Sin, suffering, stewardship. And, and the thing about sin is it destroys the relationship between us and God. It places us in opposition to him. Therefore, Jesus Christ came and took upon himself the punishment of our sin that we could be reconciled. We could be brought back near to God in relationship with him. Suffering, suffering dissolves the intimacy and the joy that we have with God. It, it leaves us asking questions about God's presence and about God's purpose in our lives. That's why these themes are so important, so pervasive in the scripture. Like there must be a, an answer, a solution for these. And, and, and when we walk in suffering, we see 
that, that God has, has actually entered into our suffering with us, for us. And he, and he works all things together for good. That's not just a, a statement for a refrigerator magnet, um, but that's a reality uh, of life. I mean, just, just yesterday, I saw on uh, Facebook, one, one of my college teammates um, had a surgery to remove a brain tumor, and he's not going to come out. And, and, uh, and his wife, his wife quotes that verse in the midst of her suffering that God is doing good in the midst of this, right? I mean, there, there's, no, there's, there's no other way to have that kind of perspective, that kind of hope apart from Jesus Christ, right? So, so we see how sin and suffering, how, how it, 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 you know, it, it impacts relationship, it impacts intimacy, and yet there's, there's solution, there's, there's resolution. God does something for us in the midst of these. Well, well what about stewardship? What does stewardship do? You know, stewardship, if you and I really want to take an honest assessment of our lives as we plan for 2018 and, and as we have these money conversations, what stewardship does is it demonstrates our hearts before God. You realize that, right? It exposes what the ultimate affections of our heart are. And, and that's, that's why Verses like we saw up there on the, on the screen, verses 16 and 17, that's why those are just such profound verses. Be, because I'm there more often than I care to admit. I know you guys are there more often than you care to admit. Life gets hard. And, and there, there's, there's seemingly not ever enough. And man, if we just had a little bit more, and, and, and if, we, you know, if we could just, whatever it is, if we could just get you know, that job, or if we could just get into that house, or if we could just get into this uh, income bracket, or, or what, whatever it is that we can set our hearts and our hopes upon. We get there, don't we? And, and we can take stock of our life and think, you know what, I, I know what God says, I just don't care. I just am tired of the grind, I'm tired of the struggle, I, I'm, t- I'm tired of, of wrestling, I'm tired of, of just, you know, the, the plan's not working the way that we want. We can all get there. But, but we, need, we need a good father when we get to those places to ask us these things, don't we? Like, hey, tell me what's better. Tell me what you really want. Because is it better to, to have the fattened ox and, and hatred? You, you grandparents in here, you can answer that for us, can't you? Would you have wanted to make more money or would you have wanted a great relationship with your children and your grandkids? Which would you have picked? And, and, and I know for some of you, there's probably pain in that question because you're still trying to restore relationships that were broken because you thought the fattened ox was better. I mean, I love herbs, guys. I love them. I love them. Our family... Like we've been really into the chimichurri. I don't know if you guys have done that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just let Trader Joe's handle it for you, okay? Go to Trader Joe's, buy the chimichurri steak, grill that up, okay? Chimichurri, it's olive oil, got like some parsley and some oregano in there, kind of garlic all chopped up, you know, and then like some, some crushed red pepper, you know? And I, you guys are going to lunch soon, so you don't, don't groan at me. And, and you grill up that, that steak, and then you just kind of, you know, you put that, that chimichurri sauce, I mean, all those herbs, right? But, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, 
if the steak isn't there, I'm not eating the sauce. Okay, like a dinner of herbs does not sound appealing to me. I know it doesn't sound appealing to you. But think about your marriage. Think about your home. Think about the relationships in the community around you. Wouldn't you be satisfied just down in some chimichurri sauce today if there was love, life, laughter in those settings? Wouldn't you settle for that? Is that even settling? Or would you want all the resources in the world and its strife and contention? See, that's the thing about stewardship is it exposes our hearts before God. It, it shows us where the affections of our hearts are truly directed. And that's what I want to end with today is just asking those questions. As, as we finish up this first month of planning, what do you love? What are you pursuing? What's the Holy Spirit revealed in you? We, we get to respond, guys. That's what we're going to do now. I'm going to invite the band up and we get to respond. And when we respond, if what we see is that the affections of our hearts are, are pursuing something other than the glory of God and the good of those around us, we get to repent. We can do that. And so we're going to take communion, but let me just, let me guard that a little bit for us, Okay. Because when, when the Bible teaches us as, as God's people, disciples of Jesus, to take the bread and dip it in the cup and remember the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, it says to do that in unity with one another. And so maybe that's what you need to do today. It's just saddle up next to your spouse, gather around with your family, get your community group and just say, hey, I, I just need to confess that my heart's pursuing all these other things. And, and, and just walk humbly before God. Walk in repentance and then come and celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus who washes you from sin, who fills you with the spirit to give you new desires and new heart. Um, come and pray. We have space to pray to my right and left. We'd encourage you, you come and use this. Use this space this morning uh, to just talk with God or pray together. Um, if, if you need uh, a pastor, elder to pray with, I'll be up front. We've got other elders around. We'd love to help you and serve you in that way, okay? Um, you can respond with giving. We'll have some deacons down here with baskets. You're welcome to do that. You can do that here. You can do that online. But do that from this heart that we've talked about today, okay? Not just the practical wisdom, but the heart that's transformed by the grace and goodness of God toward you. Um, so we can give, we can pray, we can take communion and we can sing uh, with glad hearts. And so would you stand with me now and let's uh, take the time to respond together today.